Welcome back. I'm Mike Roberts, your host, and we're here to talk about increasing and maintaining diversity in tech beyond the perks. While companies think they can lure people in with unlimited PTO and dogs in the office, we're here to talk about how you can get and keep them. Stackwalls is powered by San Diego Code School, a social enterprise committed to developing tech equity through our groundbreaking apprenticeship program. Backed by a profitable tech services company, our business model is to bring diversity into development by putting early career software engineers on appropriate level projects with our oversight, providing companies with quality software services at significant cost savings. I'm going to throw it over to our special guest today. In a few sentences, can you tell us who you are and what it is that you do? Hi, everyone. I'm Fatima Zaidi. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Quill, which is the world's first marketplace for podcasters. So if you're an indie podcaster or a company looking to start a podcast or even outsource elements of your existing show, we are your one-stop shop. I'm also a speaker through the National Speakers Bureau, and I speak around the world on topics related to diversity and inclusion. Nice. So we've got an expert podcaster on the podcast program today. Yes, we do. Super meta. Super meta. (laughs) I'm going to be awesome. very critical. <laughs> That's all right. I'm ready for it. Um, so I'm hearing from some leaders in tech that finding diverse talent is a challenge. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I absolutely disagree with that statement. In reality, there is no pipeline problem. In fact, I was recently reading an article by Business Insider, and they found that female founders are one of the fastest growing populations. And if we break it down even further, black female founders are the fastest growing population of entrepreneurs today. So investors and companies that are saying they're having a hard time finding underrepresented minorities to invest in are clearly not looking hard enough. And personally, I think the clog in the pipeline really falls down into two categories. It's either uh, founders who are of color, not fitting into the investors or companies' preconceived notions of what a successful candidate or successful entrepreneur should look like and what they constitute as, resulting in either you know, all of us being boxed into the other category, which is either you're part of some diversity quota charity fund or group, or you lose the opportunity to somebody who looks more the part. And so I I definitely disagree that, you know, there is a pipeline problem and it's more people aren't looking hard enough or, you know, introducing inclusive tactics that really help remove your personal and conscious and unconscious biases. Absolutely. 1000% agree. But, you know, it's one of those things where everybody has to kind of recognize that bias Mm -hmm. and then be willing to take some action on it. So Mm -hmm. if you can name it, you can tame it. I think that's very important. So um, what do you think about the push in tech now to remove the requirement for CS degrees from any of these software engineering roles? Yeah, you know, I think it's I think it's definitely a smart play. Um, personally, in-house at Quill, we've also been using a lot of tools like Textio and stuff that really make our job descriptions a lot more gender neutral. Um, and so whether you're male identifying, female identifying, or identifying with a different pronoun, you know, we really want our job descriptions to be accessible and relatable to anybody who could potentially fit the part. And, you know, unfortunately, everybody does have biases, whether they're implicit or not. Um, And I think that, you know, really boxing people into a specific category uh, without giving them the chance to interview, understanding that not everybody has um, the same 
access and opportunities and exposures and degrees, but yet can still technically fit the bill. Um, you know, it, it reminds me very much when I when I heard that this, this was being done, it reminded me very much about the Instagram video that went viral where, you, you know, they made everyone stand in a line. And then it was, you know, if you were lucky enough to go to an Ivy League, you had to step forward. And if you were lucky enough to get a post-secondary education, you got to step forward. And you realize not everybody starts this, you know, game called life equally. And so everybody should be given an opportunity despite where they come from, what degrees they have and their educational background. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the way that exercise is usually run is sometimes flawed. I think it's mm-hmm. when it's really depends on the questions you ask, but many of the questions when I've seen it, the exercise done really well is questions that elicit responses that are all things you have no control over. Like, did yeah. you grow up in a home that had two parents, right? Exactly. Did you grow up in a neighborhood that is in a red line, right? Or mm-hmm. underrepresented, you know? So I think that really speaks to that point of these are not all things that you can control. And even educational opportunities are not things that everyone has equal access to or the ability mm-hmm. to control. And so I do think it's important to recognize what are the skills that individuals you know, bring to the table and do those meet what the job requirements are mm-hmm. to your point? Like, do they fit the bill? And if they do, mm-hmm. let's give them an opportunity to at least interview and see if they're a good candidate for the mm-hmm. poll. So I love Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And it's not just, they're not just getting the opportunity because they're a person of color or underrepresented. They're getting sure. the opportunity because they're qualified. And, you know, I think that expecting someone to check all of the boxes to a T is definitely a very privileged way of thinking and coming from a very privileged upbringing. And so, you know, we try to be very mindful of that when we're recruiting. And I actually am all in favor of this bill that's just been passed. Awesome. So we've talked a little bit about how we sometimes get educated. And so do you think an apprenticeship pattern would work for tech roles? Yeah, you know, I think it definitely could. I know that um, Google had introduced the Howard University program and where they were recruiting for apprenticeships um, through predominantly back colleges like Howard University. And I found that, you know, their results were extremely um, successful. And I think at the end of the day, it's important because they were being very intentional about giving co-op opportunities to people who otherwise wouldn't necessarily be looking to apply. So I definitely think it, it, it can work. And it's just about being very intentional about diversifying the types of people that are coming through the door and making sure that your uh, selection bias, rather selection blinds are mapping that of national demographics graphics. Absolutely. Because those are where your customers are, right? Your customers are all across the country, all across demographics. So Mm -hmm. it makes total sense that you'd be selecting your engineering team out of that population. So I love it. I mean, I always say this as well, even in podcasting, we always talk about how we want to serve more people in cities like New York and Chicago and Hong Kong and Dubai. And I'm like, well, if we want to serve people in those cities and we want to sound like people in those cities, and we can't do that unless we have diversity in programming and diversity across the board. Like it. So what advice would you share with companies that are looking to retain diverse staffs? So we've talked about getting them into the organization. Mm-hmm. How do you keep them? So there's a couple of things that I would really suggest looking into. I mean, the first is if you're if you're a leadership team and exec team and partners on your investor cap table, don't like map that of the general demographic and then you really should be putting in selection blinds to remove your own conscious and personal bias, whether that's through training or bringing in an expert. The other thing that I, I've noticed a lot recently and it's it's been driving me nuts, 
But I find that a lot of companies aren't actually proactively going out and hiring DNI inclusion specialists. What you need is a chief diversity officer. And in turn, they're actually burdening a lot of their black employees and, and minorities of color who are their employees with, well, you know, what is the best way to move forward? Well, what is, you know, how can we make you feel more comfortable? And I think I have a really big problem with that because they are not DNI and diversity and inclusion experts. And what you really need to be doing is going out there and hiring specialists that can not just momentarily put a bandaid on the solution. Like it's anyone can post a black square on Instagram. That's easy, but systemic change is not. And so really making sure that you're putting in practices that not only have qualified people that can help move your company forward, but long-term sustainable practices that aren't burdening employees um, and expecting them to, you know, champion the race that you should have started a long time ago. So sometimes I feel like it's a lot of lip service from a lot of big brands who are, you know, doing a lot of things for a show. Um, What I'd like to see is more companies step up and actually include uh, diversity officers as a part of their leadership team. And more importantly than like just including them is empowering them. Because I think some companies and organizations have these individuals, but they're just not empowered to actually make systemic change. Right. Yeah, definitely. 100% agree they need to be part of the organization and empowered. So this has been fantastic. A ton of super good information. Who is someone like yourself that you'd like to acknowledge as a leader and should be invited to be a guest on a podcast like this? Oh, goodness. There's so many people that I look up to in this space. You know, Avery Francis, she owns a company called Bloom, and they actually specialize in recruiting for the divert to, to fit the diversity bill, like for diverse roles. Um, so I really, really appreciate what she's doing. And I think it's extremely timely and topical. Um, Takara Small, she is uh, a tech journalist who uh, hosts multiple podcasts, but she's also a journalist behind the scenes in the tech community. She's amazing. Um, there's, there's so many powerful uh, women. Actually, all of my mentors are, you know, women. And I, I've, really look up to them for paving the way. And I think oftentimes a lot of the structural inequality we face is social in nature. So it's so important that we continue empowering and elevating and profiling uh, underrepresented groups to inspire the next generation of entrepreneurs. Like we need more Middle Eastern, Pakistani women looking at me and being like, oh, you know, it is possible to get to this level because I look like her and I can relate to her. And similarly, I think it's so important that we keep elevating elevating all groups of people so true without that it's hard for people to see the path and see where they want to be they can't even begin to envision what it takes to you know be at that level so absolutely and I mean I'm not one to mix politics into business but that is why I think it's so important that Kamala was you know just chosen to become Biden's VP because you know not only is it history in the making but think about all of the generationally, all of the the little girls and women who would love to get involved in politics. And to date, if you look at all of the VPs in a line, they're all middle-aged white men, whether qualified or not, I can't speak to that, but she is literally the first person that not only women can identify with, but specifically underrepresented groups of women. So I think that in itself is just such a powerful message. Yes. You may, I mean, you, I know. you can cut that out though, if you feel like it's too political for this show. No, absolutely. Staying in 100%. Um, I do think it's important to have these conversations. I think yeah. we should be having conversations out in the open and not on the interwebs where people try and scare one another. So yeah, I, I agree. This is a, totally acceptable. Now, absolutely. 
Where can we find out more information about your company? This is a great time to promote anything you guys are working on. Mm-hmm. Well, um, we are uh, like a podcasting company. We work with brands to create their own podcasts and indie podcasters. So you can reach us at quillit.io. So Q-U-I-L-L-I-T.io is our website. We also own the Listen In Conference, which is one of the world's first enterprise podcasting events for companies who are moving into this space. It happens in LA every year. It's supposed to be in June, but we have pushed it to March. Uh, downtown LA at the Millennium Biltmore. And our headliner is Sarah Koenig, the co-host and creator of Serial, uh, the woman, in my opinion, who put it all on the map for us. Um, and then aside from that, you know, I'm pretty accessible. You can reach out to me directly. My email is fatima.quillet.io or anywhere on social media. It's, it's not hard to find me. Okay. The next question, super tough. Uh, I think you've had some time, Mary, on it. What have you been snacking on lately? What's your favorite snack? Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a huge snacker. I love snacks. I, I would say that there's a couple of snacks that I've been snacking on lately. Um, this is not the healthiest option. So, you know, right. take this it with a grain a of salt. Just a little. But I love, <laughs> I love fruit roll up. It's just one of those things that I'm like, it's low-cal, it tastes delicious, it feels like you're eating candy. Um, I also love Skittles, and I have this really bad habit of only being able to eat Skittles in even numbers. Um, so, like, right. we'll, we'll take out the purples and eat them in even numbers, and, like, the reds and the purples. Um, and then I highly recommend um, Parmesan crisps to anyone who hasn't tried them yet. They're like Ooh, I have tried crackers. them. Yep, really I have good. tried those. Those are good. They're delicious. That's- that's the best. So and for any parents who are watching this with their kids, apple slices with peanut butter, just because, you know, you have to yeah, throw in something healthy. healthy. Yeah. The fruit roll-ups brings me back to my childhood, though. Fruit roll- <laughs> I remember when fruit roll-ups came out, and they were like, it was just like, oh, my God, this is bananas. I can have fruit as, like, it's a roll? <laughs> what? Yeah, it's true. You know what's so funny? My team is always making fun of me because they're like, it's so weird to see a CEO of a company um, actually sitting at their desk and eating fruit roll-ups. And I'm like, is there some rule that adults can't eat fruit roll-ups yeah, just because you used to eat it when you're a child? They're delicious. Oh my goodness. I just, again, I remember I was around when fruit roll-ups like broke out and it was just like the thing kids had to have. <laughs> it's like, you were so cool. If you brought fruit roll-ups in your lunch at school, that was yep. like legit. Well, so, at our office, it is still cool. <laughs> it's good to hear. Um, we have a little bit more time, so we could either end early. You could share something you're working on, or you could ask me a question. What would you like to do? You know, it, I just I find it so fascinating what you're doing. I would love to hear a little bit more about your podcast, the reach of the show, uh, how many people do you have tuning into your show, who who does your editing and production. Like, I, I want to know everything about oh, the show. Oh, man, all the dirty details. Okay, <laughs> so I started this because I, like, heard of other people doing this as part of, like, a way to help them create connections to folks that they want to have conversations with. And I thought, you know, this is fairly doable. So rather than mm-hmm. like buying their kit where they were like, here's how we do it. And we'll teach you how to do it. I was like, I think I got about 80% of it and I can get the rest of it dialed in by just like, just doing it, just experiencing it. So this is what we preach when we talk about software engineering mm-hmm. and teaching people um, that it's going to be you putting your hands on a keyboard. So I was like, I just need to do a ton of episodes. At that point, the editing process has been, I've got a video producer that does some video production work for us. So I can just like send her over the files. She edits them, adds the ending, and then we're good to go. Now today I actually found a couple other products that we might start using and start doing it more live and getting it to the point where I don't have to send it out for editing. It can just be like one and done. That's it. We're moving on. So we're thinking about switching that up. We haven't released any episodes yet. So 
the big push is to get a big um, bunch of episodes out at once on Friday and then start doing mm -hmm. once a day delivering a podcast, a little bite size, like what this is what we're working on. So mm -hmm. that's the and plan. And you're distributing so on Apple and Spotify and... Oh yeah, all the places. All the okay. places where podcasts are heard. I'm not and a huge the video, consumer. So what is the video component for? Is that for YouTube? Yep. So we're planning on doing as much content creation out of the content we've already generated. So, you know, generating other pieces for the blog, generating small clips for like LinkedIn. So I'm going to try and be like Gary V, a little bit like Gary V, but like in my own way, very different mm -hmm. than Gary V. Um, mm -hmm. and, but that's the idea is to try and really amplify the message of the content we talked about today and get it out there for people to understand that there are alternative pipelines for talent. And to your point, they just have to look. We want to be in all those places. So when people do look, they can find out and they can hear about like what it is that they could tangibly do. This isn't strategy. This is tactics. This is exactly what you need to do if you really want to increase diversity and maintain that inside of your organization. Right. Absolutely. That makes sense. Um, very cool. Um, I'm going to leave you with like a very quick tip before we sign off today. Sure. Um, I love like the video component of podcasting. I think it brings a lot of, you know, conversation to life. I do find though, from a sound quality perspective that um, Zoom is... Uh, it's a conferencing schedule. And so when you're listening to uh, an audio recorded on Zoom on Apple or Spotify, the retention and engagement rate generally drops a lot because people are used to a higher sound High quality, quality premium. Yeah. Exactly. So if you are interested down the line, I would just recommend that you um, maybe switch over to something like Zencaster. Zencaster is like specifically for podcast yep. recording. And I do know that Zencaster at the end of the summer is releasing a video component. So you can do both. Nice. That I'm on is the wait list for that. Yeah, it's going to be great. So I'm on the wait list for that. Still waiting. But yeah. I always have to tell people who record on Zoom, I'm like, this is not a podcasting platform. Yeah, it's garbage audio. But you got to start somewhere. And I think I've learned my lesson. So I think season one is going to go by quick. And then season two is going to be just Perfect. incredible. So Yeah. And if you're awesome. ever looking for support, let us know. We have like freelancers on our platform that can edit your audio for as low as $40 per episode. And so if you're ever looking for someone to support you with the editing and, and distribution, feel free to reach out to Quill. You guys heard that $40, as low as $40. You get all the it's actually as low as $25. So there you go. So yeah, even better. Awesome. So thanks again, Fatima, for coming on the program. Thank you. It was lovely to connect with you, Mike, and really appreciate your time. Awesome. And we'll have your description in the comment below. Thanks again. And for everybody else watching or listening to the program on the interwebs, make sure you like, subscribe, and check out more episodes of Snackballs. I'm Mike Roberts. Until next time, peace. The San Diego Code School is a proud sponsor of the Snackwalls podcast. The San Diego Code School is leading companies to tech equity. The tech-enabled apprenticeship program is a venture whose heart is to do a lot of social good and do good work. You can help San Diego Code School secure funding for change by hiring developers, bringing a team in to relieve your backlog, or becoming a program sponsor. You can visit us on the web for more information at http colon forward slash forward slash sdcs.io. 